Welcome back to Martins and More. My name is Mari Rutsch. And I'm Spoon Phillips. And we have some very cool things to talk about. They're not popular anymore, but we're going to talk about them anyway. How you doing today, Spoon? I'm doing very well. Speaking of uh, something or someone who's not very popular, even though he used to be. <laughs> you talking about me? I wasn't going to say anything, but you brought it up. Dang, this is off to a beautiful start. <laughs> well, don't talk about yourself like that. That's my job. It's a bad sign when people are using self-deprecating humor and you're assuming they're talking about you. I'd like an order of self-esteem, please. <laughs> Coming right up. Um, do you want a high chair with that? <laughs> <Ba -dum -tsh. laughs> uh, now you wonder why I have no self-esteem. God. Gosh. Where's my gosh at? Gosh. Let's try to get a little bit of content going here, just in case we have time. Yes, you told me that you had another uh, uh, listener suggestion for a, a show topic. What is it? I certainly did, and it's a good one. Jeff Smith says, Much love from this New York native in Osaka, Japan. The show is great. I love it. Thank you. What's your take on out-of-production Martins? Are there any that you think should have been kept on the roster? He says, I think the marquee guitars are the best I've played and very much regret selling the three that I had. And then he used the word gentleman. I wonder who he was talking about. <laughs> Perhaps he was listening to a program and we had a, a special guest or two. Um, but yes, wow, that is a fascinating topic. And in fact, uh, it's a great suggestion. So thank you very much. And, uh, and a native New Yorker, but a long way away. So yes, so models that have gone out of production. It does remind me one thing. You, got, you have to be sort of careful with this topic because all over the guitar forums, you will see these a particular sort of person that will get on a high horse and say that Martin should have never gotten rid of this guitar. This was such a great guitar. You know, why, why would they get rid of the blah, blah, blah? And you'd say, oh, great. Well, yes, they, they should bring them back. And you're going to buy one, right? <laughs> Exactly. And, uh, you know, or they've already ha already owned one. So uh, by no means is this uh, podcast today uh, supposed to uh, be taken as any kind of criticism of CF Martin and company and what guitars they get rid of or what guitars they keep and all that. Um, however, we have all certainly had uh, models that we really liked a lot or thought were very cool, whether we bought one or not. And either we're surprised they got rid of them or, or think they, you know, they would have a place in the Martin catalog. So, so why don't we begin uh, where he suggested? Mari, they, uh, were the marquees around when your shop opened or did they come in after? Uh, for people who don't know, the marquees were based on the old Golden Era series. But when Chris Martin drew a line in the sand about never buying Brazilian rosewood that couldn't be absolutely proven by paperwork all the way back to its source that it was legal and within the CITES treat, uh, treaty guidelines. All of a sudden, they couldn't make golden era guitars anymore uh, that had Brazilian rosewood. So they decided to rename them marquee guitars and make them with Indian rosewood instead. So, um, but otherwise they, D28 Marquis was identical to the D28 Golden Era, except it had Indian Rosewood. And the D18 Golden Era became the D18 Marquis, 
because uh, the binding stopped being Brazilian rosewood and so forth. So anyway, were the uh, marquees around when you opened in 2003? I don't remember the dates of when that all happened. That's the only danger of doing this podcast off the cuff. We're going to give you our impressions of this topic, but I'll tell you the truth. I haven't done enough research to narrow down exactly which dates certain guitars debuted and when they came and went. I seem to remember that in 2003, if they hadn't already been on the scene, it was right around that time. So I, I don't remember, ironically, I don't remember having a lot of Golden Era guitars. So I think around 03, 04 might have been where you started to see the switch. And maybe somebody listening to this show on YouTube can add in the comments or the chat. Uh, maybe you know better than we do without looking some stuff up. I was going to say it might be as late as 206, but I think I'm getting it mixed up with the, with the Lawrence Juber signature model, the Brazilian signature model. I think that was 2006. But anyway, yes, the marquee guitars. This was at a time when the standard series dreadnoughts still had, uh, for the most part, uh, the D28 and D18 had straight bracing and had black pick guards and... and the D18 had black binding and, the, and, and they had white dots on the fretboard. So they did not look very much like uh, pre-war Martins from the 30s. And the, uh, and the D18 still had a uh, Indian Rosewood bridge and fingerboard. So the Vintage Series first came out. We're going to talk about those in a minute. The Marquis Series, uh, the Vintage Series had Sitka spruce bracing and, and Sitka spruce tops and V-necks. But the dreads were 111 16th inch nut width. The GEs and marquees give you dreadnoughts that have a one and three quarter inch width nut at the neck, at the nut, um, at the end of the neck, and uh, you know the, what they call the, the standard taper and wider string spacing and a bigger rounder V neck than the vintage series because of the the 1930s heel that makes the neck a little more rounder and, and bulbous, I guess. It f kind of made the hand fill out more. But wonderful appointments, wood fiber inlays, you know, all the herringbone and rosette and stuff were all done with, with uh, maple and, and uh, dyed black wood fiber. You had the diamonds and squares, you know, fingerboard in style 28, and, um, and you had Adirondack spruce for the tops and the bracing. And that introduced the golden era Adirondack spruce bracing. You can get custom order with Sitka, but they're originally designed for Adirondack because of its cross grain stiffness. So they removed more wood while they were scalloping the braces, which would, you know, would make them more like pre-war Martin bracing. And so they had more flexibility than the standard series and vintage series bracing. So they were very special guitars with really uh, wonderful sound. I think the D18, Marquee and Slash Golden Era, the uh, OM28 Marquees, uh, people just absolutely love them. Uh, they have the wider, genuine two and three eighth inch string spacing, which some people uh, may have some problem with, but really magnificent instruments. And the Triple O18 Golden Era Slash Marquee, all time favorite. And we basically have that in the modern Triple O18 now. Um, except that it's Sitka instead of Adirondack, and it has a modern neck. But, um, but it's definitely the descendant of the Triple O 18 Golden Era slash Marquis because they didn't make a Triple O 18 in the Vintage Series. Um, but yeah, wonderful guitars. Uh, what, do you, what, what memories do you have of uh, Marquis? 
or golden eras that you can recall. Well, I was going to ask you if, uh, if this was a time for me to ask you, are you going to name all the old Martin guitars before I get to tell you which of them were my favorites for this list? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, no. Well, I was stopping at the, the triple O 18 D 18 and the OM 28 were like the <laughs> ones that really, that I really loved a lot. Um, <laughs> Only because I don't want to sound like I didn't think about anything, but after you've named them, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, but my memory of the of the Golden Era series <laughs> isn't as big as the uh, the Marquis. I, for whatever reason, uh, whether it was timing, popularity, or the fact that we might be right thinking that when we became a dealer in '03, the Golden Eras were beginning to be phased out. And I, um, if I can go back in time like Martin McFly, I would find these dates. But please bear with us. I think the uh, Golden Era series never did take off as fast as the Marquis series with our specific store. And, and when I say that, I recognize we're probably the outlier here at mariesmusic.com, but we did really, really well with the Marquis. And I, I, if I remember correctly, there was an OM28 Marquis that belonged to, and I'm going to get this order wrong, it was our friend Bruce Atkins, and then he eventually sold it to Elle McMean, our other friend. And either between that situation or immediately after one of those two gentlemen were kind enough to say listen Mari I know you've always gushed over this guitar at Martin Fest if one of us sells this guitar again you get first dibs and I made the mistake of saying yeah I'll think about that and I let it slip through my hands but the OM28 Marquis is undoubtedly the first guitar on my list today of guitars that aren't in production anymore and still should be if not for any other reason I want an opportunity to buy that again because that guitar I mean, Bruce Atkins and Elle McBean, they're both great players. I got to hear that guitar so many times at NASFest. I got to play it so many times myself. And I really do think that the Adirondack top on what is otherwise an OM28V really, really sounds magical. And of course, since then, we've had a lot of things like the OM28 Authentics, the OM28 Modern Deluxes. And I'd, love, I'd really love to hear an OM28 today in 2023 against some of these newer Martins because my memories of the Marquis uh, are really, really good. And I, I, that was one of the guitars that has stuck with me uh, all through my, my life as being a, a shop owner. That guitar has not left my mind. Well, I, I totally agree. And we have a friend, I'm not sure if, he, if he's the kind of person who wants his name mentioned on the, on the airwaves like this, uh, but our friend Tom, I'll just say that, he has, probably still has, I haven't seen it in several years, but he had a, a, a wonderful uh, OM28 uh, marquee. And I think for some people, the slightly chunkier neck and the wider string spacing uh, was a, you know, put them off. But I think most people didn't feel that way about it. And um, I had that uh, string spacing on my OM18V, the two and three eighth inch string spacing. And that was ultimately one of the reasons I sold it when I was starting to have tendonitis issues and, and some of my, you know, old football injuries and stuff kicking in. And that wider string spacing is really good for the fretting hand, but for my picking hand, it actually did give me some problems. And it forced me to play much closer to the fretboard than uh, I necessarily like tone-wise. But, um, and, the, and it had the same spacing on the marquees. For people who don't know, the OMs from the 1930s began with two and three eighth inch string spacing, but for some reason, they're not all that way. And that's why, uh, I always wondered why the OM28V, which is a, another of these wonderful guitars that now basically exists as the standard series OM28, just doesn't have the, 
the wider fretboard and the V-neck. It had two and five sixteenth inch string spacing, while the OM45V and the OM18V had two and three eighths. And no one at Martin could ever answer why at the time. Hmm. Well, it turns out when they go to make the OM28 Authentic 1931, they happen to use Mike Seeger's 1931 OM28, and it had, oh, it had two and 5-16th inch string spacing. So it's entirely possible when they made that V model, that was the same guitar they had looked at when they were trying to, you know, spec out some of the vintage specs. So um, for whatever reason, and at that time it was surprised by, uh, Martin that maybe a dealer had ordered a batch with that string spacing, or, or for whatever reason, they just uh, switched to that, but only on certain guitars. So it's, it's interesting how that happened back in the day. So anyway, we have, uh, and for a long time, that was the only guitar, the OM28V was the only guitar with two and five sixteenth inch string spacing, basically available. They eventually added that to some dreadnoughts and, or I, I beg your pardon, non-dreadnoughts. And then they added that, that string spacing here and there to, to uh, certain other models. But yeah, those are really wonderful guitars. And uh, now I'm gonna mention what I thought was the most special marquee of all, which I gave a glowing review for uh, Morris Music website back in the day when we first hooked up and they had asked me to do some writing for their website before I started my own website. And that is the 00042 marquee. Now this has the two and five sixteenth string spacing. That was my favorite string spacing in the, back in the day. Short scale, one and three quarter inch width nut. It has the 1930s heel that was used on the 0018 GE, uh, one of my all-time favorite neck shape in terms of feel. And it had the high color abalone that you would want in, in a fancy guitar like that and the grained ivory binding and all that. And I really loved it. And uh, I was, you know, I was waiting for them to come out with a Madagascar version of this. Right around this time, they they started offering special marquee models in Madagascar Rosewood, which had a pretty big upcharge to them, and um, including the OM28 Madagascar Marquee and the D28 Madagascar Marquee. And so I was waiting for the Triple O 42 Marquee Madagascar, and it was basically in production. It was up into the prototypes, and then the political crisis in Madagascar struck and they canceled it and it didn't come out. And without telling anybody in America, what they did is they took the ones they had completed, they slapped Eric Clapton's signature on the fretboard and they sold them as an Eric Clapton model exclusively in Japan. No. So it's a highly collectible Martin. If people are into speculation on what Martins in the future are gonna be worth a lot of money, the 00042 Madagascar model, Eric Clapton model that was sold in Japan that actually has the string spacing and neck of a marquee, not a typical Clapton model. I have no idea how many they made, but I recently saw one for sale on a website in Japan for 75 trillion gazillion dollars. So they clearly knew what they had. That's not that bad, though, for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you consider everything. Um, but anyway, yes, marquees, fabulous guitars. Um, can you think of something else that's not a marquee GE that, that we would like to bring up in this favorite Martins that aren't available anymore? 
I can, but does it have to be six strings? Not at all. Well, first of all, before I go into that, I want to thank you. When Jeff asked us not to talk about guitars that are no longer in production, you went one step further and talked about a guitar that never even got to production. So kudos to you. <laughs> now I'm intimidated, but I'm going to keep talking anyway. Let me know if you remember this guitar. I'm going to describe it. Uh, East Indian Rosewood back and sides, uh, style 45 back purfling. It had forward shifted bracing, Sitka spruce, bold herringbone, modified V, and oh yeah, seven strings. So this is a, a, a quick interruption by the Mari's Music Show Mystery Guitar. <laughs> Welcome to the Mari's Music Podcast and today's Mystery Guitar. So you said it's an in Indian Rosewood guitar with style 45 multicolored backstrip. Forward shifted scallop bracing, did you say? I did, yep. I don't remember if you said that. What else did you say? Okay. But it has seven, uh, Sitka spruce top. Seven strings. Why am I blanking out on Martin's seven string guitar? All right, I have to say, I have actually been stumped. Now, if you come out and say, for April Fools, there really wasn't such a guitar, I'll feel a lot better. No, what is it? What is it? I'm curious to know. Oh, it's, it's the Roger McGuinn HD7. Remember that? I do now. I completely forgot about that. Now, who do I know that owned one of those? Was it Marshall? Did Marshall own one of those? Roger McGuinn? Yeah, the, the seven string. I totally forgot about that. No, I mean, Roger McGuinn owns one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Buh>. oh. <laughs> uh, yes, but they, they took the idea of the uh, Rickenbacker 12 string with the G string that had the high, you know, the extra high string flipped differently than other people's 12 strings. That was flipped, you know, so the, the treble string was on the other side uh, than it is on typical 12 strings. And they applied it, and I think it was McGuinn's idea. I think he came oh. to Dick and said, what do you think of this? And, uh, and they made it, and it was a very cool guitar. So it gave you that extra high harmony, but just on the G string. So uh, really fascinating. I was thinking seven string. I was thinking, you know, I was picturing Bucky Pizzarella's, you know, Pizzarella's seven string guitars that have the extra bass string at the top. And it was like, did Martin do that? Did they put that yeah. on Pete Seeger's baritone? I was like, what guitar? What guitar? Yeah, you totally stumped <laughs> me. That's great. Good job. Good job. Good job. Yeah. I had forgotten all about that. And a fun fact, I don't know if I've told you this on camera before, but I, I got to meet Roger McGuinn. I think it was that time you came to the NAMM show with us, and I got to meet him. Um, you were probably off talking shop with Lawrence Juber or somebody, but uh, Roger McGuinn was such a nice guy. He's sitting at a table with his wife, and they're you know shaking hands, and, and they opened the Martin Sounding Board magazine. But instead of just signing the book, he wasn't like just looking down at the book. He's actually interacting with you and, and giving you his time. And it was so beautiful to spend a couple seconds, you know, shaking his hand and thanking him for the music. And he was more interested in saying hello and seeing you than actually signing the book. So I walked away from the Martin booth at NAMM and I looked and like, wait a minute, he signed his name on Stephen Stills' page. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny. Well, now let's see, talk about collect Martin collector's items. There you go. You have a one-off. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, with that NAMM show, just briefly, I say, yeah, it was very different than my experience with Andy Summer, who had come in because his signature model was going up, which was a very cool signature model. It was one of the only uh, short-scale 
triple O's available at that time. And, and it had very interesting, like a yin and yang and other sort of spiritual inlays on it. But uh, Rosewood, uh, and it had what is now the modern, uh, you know, modified low oval profile. But, um, but he came in, I, I must say he was probably extremely jet lagged, but he was completely humorless, not having a good time at all. The Martin Booth kind of waiting <laughs> for whatever he was going to be expected to do. And I came over and, you know, and, and with, I happened to be playing the guitar at the time. So I came over and said, you know, can we get a photograph or whatever? And he looked at me with words that said, like, not really. But I turned and he just kind of looked right when somebody took the camera. So there he is kind of glowering at the camera. But, uh, but anyway, uh, but I think wow. he, looked, he looked exactly like somebody who probably just flew in from over the pole from London to L.A. or something like that. But anyway, um, that was a cool uh, signature model, too. I mean, there's been some really cool signature models that they just don't keep signature models around forever, like the D45 Roy Rogers and things like that, that... Um, you know, they, they put them out as limited editions for a reason, but there have been some really uh, cool ones. The, the Jimmy Buffett D18, uh, I think it's an HD18 Jimmy Buffett with a, with a very nice pearl palm tree on the headstock. And um, basically it's, uh, you know, mahogany back and sides, but, but with the scallop bracing of a, of a uh, HD28 from that era. You know, there's, some, there's lots of those cool guitars, but ones that used to be in production um, you brought up that very cool guitar. Um, I will bring up the D18 VS, the 12 fret, uh, big 12 fret dreadnought from the Vintage series. And I love those guitars, really nicely balanced. Our, our friend, the late Dave Kukeski, had a wonderful one with a sun, uh, sunburst that, that many people coveted. And huge sound, big guitars, but very different from 14 fret guitars in that they're very balanced they're almost like a giant om so you very good for finger picking and uh, finger style guitar uh but still giving you that you know big mammoth round bass so those were lovely i would be uh, really uh, curious to see if those would sell again without the v-neck if martin would come out with a standard series 12 fret uh, d18 i'd be very curious to see if those would sell and I'll tie that together with the short scale, the briefly lived, uh, lived short scale D18. Do you remember those? I don't remember what the, what the model was called. I do. They were only around for about a year. They had, yeah, they came and went like as fast as, as anything else. I think one of the reasons they came and went, um, and that may have been around the same era of that seven string guitar, is because they put a V-neck on it. And they, it was basically a D18V short scale. And I think if they had met, left it with this, uh, the low profile, they might have sold more of them. And um, as I get older and like the short scale more and more, I have even considered uh, a custom Martin short scale uh, dreadnought, but um, hmm. maybe sometime in the future. But those were very cool guitars too. And uh, okay, let's go down into um, maybe below the standard series. Um, what or below the stamp series in terms of you know the style numbers and stuff? Is there anything that stands out to you uh, from the 16, 17, 15s that uh, you think they should bring back or 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 surprise they don't have? Yeah, there is one that I, I have on my mind. But before I get there, can I throw a trivia question your way? Absolutely. It's actually tied together. I'm going to talk about a 16 series guitar and. 
my memory's a little bit fuzzy, but there was a version of this guitar that I'm not going to pick as the model I speak about, but it had electronics that it wasn't LR bags, it wasn't Fishman, it wasn't Detar. What was it? What was the very, very short-lived company electronics that Martin used in the 16 series for a very brief time? I want to say around 2007 to 2010. And again, if my memory's missing a date by a little bit, you know, forgive me, but it was the late 2000s. It was in the 16 series, and it was a company not named uh, a moment ago. Which company had electronics in some 16 series Martin guitars as a brief experiment that never really caught on? I will, I will think about that um, while we move forward. Okay. So what's uh, 16, uh, 17, 15, uh, can you think of that uh, that fit today's topic? Well, the one I'm thinking of is a 16 series, and let me know if this rings a bell. HD16R Adirondack. Absolutely. Absolutely. These get mentioned a lot to this day when people are, are uh, wistfully having this kind of conversation or are looking for uh, to buy a Martin but don't have the money and are thinking of the used market. And that's a good thing to point out is a lot of these models can be found on the used markets. If you, if they sound interesting to you, you may want to seek them out. And the D16R at Rondack would be a very good uh, choice. Now this goes back to around the same era of the 00042 Marquee. I mean, this was back, I remember playing that in the lobby prior to my arrangement with Martin to shoot one man's guitar's videos back in the sound room, where I would just show up at the factory and, uh, and you know, shoot uh, my videos in the lobby. And I think, I think, so, I think I, a friend of mine bought one of those too, though I think I might be mixing it up with the D16 large sound hole, which was also a very cool model. And uh, I don't remember the exact uh, name of that model other than it ended in LS. But um, yes, that's very cool. Adirondacks uh, on a, a 16 is the first time Martin used Adirondack spruce on a more affordable uh, guitar that actually costs less than a standard series uh, instrument uh, rather than more. So very good call. Uh, the D16 large sound hole, I'm afraid I don't remember the full moniker. Another one very cool to look for on the used market as is the do you remember the the uh wasn't technically standard series but standard series level build large sound hole guitar i think it's the d28 lsv oh the hd28 lsv yes uh, are you serious that was going to be my next one oh was it really well there we go great minds think alike because that that's a very cool guitar what do you remember about that guitar i remember that guitar was just enormous in tone and i'll take you back to maybe the third or fourth NASFest where our friend Daryl, I forget his last name, but it began with a K. Um, he actually played that guitar tuned down a whole step with mediums. And if you walk past it, it like knocked you off balance. It was so big sounding anyway. <laughs> and then to drop it down to like, you know, D instead of E, uh, it was one of those things where he was always playing with the capo on the second fret in song circles. But when he got to play by himself, it was like, why don't I buy that guitar in a heavy pick and just be like Mr. Muscle? And that guitar had such a voice. When I describe this, you know, <laughs> on this podcast, you might be thinking, wow, that was probably so bass heavy. It was, but it wasn't muddy and it wasn't lacking 
you know, the, the upper mid-range and trebles that you want to hear. I've, I'd love to hear one of them again. And in the true spirit of this podcast, you know, where Jeff's asking us, which guitars do we wish Martin either still made or would bring back? I, I'm not just saying it to fill content. I would love to see them bring that back, even if it was a special limited run. But the HD28 LSV, it had a large sound hall. It was a vintage series guitar. And it was basically a really powerful, maybe, I want to say precursor, to the D28 Modern Deluxe, but that's not even fair because so many things are different about it. But maybe what I mean to say is I, I bet you those two guitars would compete well against each other. Well, that was uh, very well said. And I think it was, as people will probably guess, it was inspired by the Clarence White uh, guitar um, that ended up in Tony Rice's hands uh, after Clarence White passed away. And um, But that was a 1930s D28, 1935 D28. And the you know the sound hole had gotten broken probably from a you know magnetic pickup or something and and somebody whether it was Clarence White or somebody before Clarence White just hollowed it out to make a much bigger sound hole out of it, and um, that Martin couldn't do a Clarence White D28 model at the time because his family had already had it you know with some other company and I think Santa Cruz and then uh, or maybe that was no Tony Rice was the Santa Cruz one but anyway they did do a D18 Clarence White but they took that idea and made the LSV. And uh, yep, super powerful guitar. Our friend Tony Phillips had one. He might still have one. I don't remember. And oh. um, the large sound hole, the large sound hole thing uh, is is true. And I have one on my uh, you know my custom edition uh, that was done for Maury's music uh, as, for, to help get uh, a bigger sound out of a short scale triple O. And it certainly does that. Everybody constantly comments on how loud my guitar is. And uh, <laughs> but I don't even realize it because I'm behind it. Like, if I'm sitting there rehearsing with the Highland Chatners or, or whoever, um, you know, they, they always kind of look at, you know, sitting there with their big dreadnoughts, look down at my little guitar, relatively little guitar. And yeah, those are very cool guitars. I think Martin would do well to try to bring uh, back a large sound hole model. They have a uh, tendency to recycle either certain concepts or models. There will be models that are gone for a while and they'll bring them back. For instance, right now the only M is the uh, um, M36. Uh, they had an M38 for a while, it went away, the M36 went away, it's come back. Um, we've had other M's come and go. Uh, Chris Martin is adamant, well, at least he told me, that he will always keep an M in the lineup for legacy reasons. And that he, it's one of the reasons they kept the 0021, the tw little 12 fret 0021 for so many years and bring that back occasionally was, is for legacy reasons. And I was relieved to see that the 0015M, speaking of 12 fret guitars, is in the catalog. It went missing from the website in 2022. And that was completely because they were just doing website work. But it, for anybody who noticed that, thought, oh no, they're not going to have that model anymore. And they never did stop making it. It just wasn't on the website for a while, but now it's back. So there is a 12 fret Martin in the lineup. Um, I would love to see more. I'd love to see a 12 fret D18 and see uh, what people thought of that. So speaking of M's, again, these are signature models. Would the late Woody Mann, um, Prince of a Guy, uh, who died recently, uh, his signature model was an M with cutaway, mahogany M with cutaway. Was it Yorma? About Bromberg. I forget how this works. Bromberg, that's what it was. It's Bromberg's signature model is an M. And of course, he's famous for being the most famous of the 
musicians in the 60s that had a pre-war Martin F-size arch top converted to a flat top. And um, I think his, he took his to Matt Umanoff's. Uh, I think John Lundberg out in Berkeley also was doing this for people. But that uh, led to Martin. Bromberg literally took that guitar to Fred Martin, and that led to the first M. But Bromberg's uh, signature model is fancy, he's pearl, uh, pearly. And uh, he uh, gave one to Jorma Kalkinen as a present, I believe is how the story goes. And that led to Jorma's. And I think one of those two, I think it's Jorma's, has a large sound hole, speaking of large sound holes. Hmm. One of those three M's I just mentioned has a large sound hole. I'm afraid I don't remember which one it is. So those are very cool guitars. But I think my favorite unusual M guitar was the uh, George Martin signature model. Oh, George yeah. Martin of the Beatles. Uh, fame. It is a uh, mahogany M with the three-piece back, so it looks really cool, and it has a European spruce top. And so it has a, you know, a, and it may be a technically Italian uh, top, but it's uh, Italian spruce, but it's, uh, it has a very unique sound. You don't usually see European spruce matched with mahogany, and it had this, I don't know, creamy quality to the uh, to the background uh, undertone and um, really quite lovely and a very cool looking guitar and the M uh, and the three piece back actually has a wedge coming down from the neck so it looks like a big M on the back so it's not just like a style 35 it's a three piece back but it's the the center stripes the two stripes come up and then slant down and basically make a big M on the back. So check that out for listeners at home. When I look at the George Martin signature model online and see what I'm talking about, it's a very cool design. So uh, yes, very cool guitars from the M's. Um, to go back to the M's, what about an M15? You know, they uh, M15, the J15s were very popular. And our friend Johnny's uh, J15 sounds magnificent. I would love to see the, uh, you know, I would love to see the 12 fret D15, the D15 SM. Uh, that oh, yeah. was a magnificent guitar. And that may be what uh, I think Johnny has one of those too. That's what I think of when I think of Johnny, yeah. Yeah, yes. He really likes the 12 fret Martins. I'm sorry. So maybe he didn't own the JM. Maybe that was somebody else from Martin Fest from that era. Maybe Scooter. Oh, quite so. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting those two guys mixed up actually. Um, so um, they were speaking of people who were people with facial hair who were at Martin Fest at the same time ten years ago or so. Um, and uh, <laughs> so uh, you know those guys, all those old hippies look alike to me, um, even me. But um, but yes, those are those. I know we're kind of uh, really streaming consciousness here as we remember these fine guitars. But let's say you were going to Martin and you could pick, I don't know, let's just start with three. If, if you had Tim Teal's ear or Chris Martin's ear and say, why don't you bring these three back and see how, how they do, what would you pick? I mean, even among the ones you already mentioned. Well, I would probably use this platform to start talking about my next guitar. The Triple O 28 VS would be one of them. Ooh. I really liked your idea about the D18 VS and podcast aside i think if we were talking on a regular phone call and you brought that guitar up it would make me think wow i, I really wonder why martin wouldn't think that could have a healthy place in the lineup 
I mean, right now in 2023, they're they're all hands on deck to just build enough guitars for last year's order. So I know right now is not the time to add models, but I think the D18 VS would be great, the Triple O 28 VS, and if I had to pick another one, I was going to say maybe something else in the 15. I don't know if it would have been the the DSS 15, but but I'm actually caught off the cuff thinking that Martin could use some more 12 fret models, uh, including the Ds. So I, I think. I think the D18 VS of everything we've spoken about so far, but it does make me think of the Triple O 28 VS. And the Triple O 28 VS is interesting. A little bit of a fun trivia that some of you guys might not know. Spoon talked about the fact that a lot of Triple O guitars from Martin's catalog had been long scale uh, in some podcasts before. When Maury's Music first opened its doors in 2003, it didn't take us long to want to design our own signature model or our own you know, custom edition uh, celebrating the fact that we're a store. And I remember telling Bob Fair, who used to work in the custom shop, why don't we take a triple O 28 VS and make it a double O? And all, you know, all the while thinking that'd be a great idea. Only after the first 10 were delivered did he remind me that the triple O 28 VS is long scale. And that ended up being a, a quick side story. We had to do 10 double O 28 VS Mari's music guitars and then 10 correct ones with the short scale being the, the spec. So the very first time we came out with our, well, the only time we came out with our own Mari's music model, the first run was long scale, the second run was short scale, but it was built off of the popularity of the triple O 28 VS. And my introduction to that guitar, more so than being a dealer and having inventory, was playing gigs with our friend Jim Monahan way back in the day, uh, back in the early 2000s. It wouldn't be unusual for me to take a trip to New Jersey with Tim and back then our uh, our conga player Bobka, rest in peace. And we would do some pickup gigs in a couple of places in, in uh, near Denville, New Jersey with Jim. And Jim had a really nice Triple O 28 VS. Uh, if you're old enough to remember when Jim Monahan used to go to Martin Fest, and that's dating you, um, that guitar really impressed me the times I heard it. And I think that's a model. Maybe the V-neck's going to be a turnoff for some people, but I think that model uh, has an interesting place in both Martin's past and present. Well, that's interesting you put it that way because I I would think they would be more interested in doing a standard series one with a with the a, a 12-fit version of the modified low oval and maybe even the high performance taper, which they now have in the modern deluxe series. So they've introduced you know their first 12-fret model into the modern deluxe series. And so I could see them possibly doing something with standard series build, which is technically what the vintage series was, except for the V-neck. So, but maybe they would do both. I, you know, I think we see, I bet you if we went into Martin's brain, um, by that, I mean the company brain and actually saw what's what, I would guess that Dreadnoughts absolutely massively outsell anything else. No matter how well OMs sell and triple O sell, the dreadnoughts are are just the king of sales at Martin and will always be that way. So non-dreadnought 12 fret guitars probably don't sell very well. The 0017 that they came out with when they revamped the 17 series was the first one to disappear. They just, people just didn't buy them. And um, I think a lot of people are, Either think 12-fret guitars look too old-fashioned or they need more frets, somebody like me, you know, and that could get us into the Merle Haggard signature model, which was a which was a 12-fret uh, Rosewood Triple O with a cutaway, um, oh. and that was pretty cool. Um, 
But I mean, these are, you know, it'd be very curious. You know, it's a kind of a dice roll when they come out with these models to see which ones capture the public imagination. But I bet you they will tell you that no matter how many 12 fret models they make, none of them ever sell nearly as many as the 14 frets, which is, you know, probably too bad. But people who never played a triple O 28 VS have no idea what a big, full, wonderful, magnificent sound they have. Uh, the 12 fret body shape uh, definitely just gives you an enhanced tone. And we do get some of that in the CEO 7, which is has the sloped shoulders to it. And it's similar in uh, the shape of the sound chamber. And it is longer than a normal uh, 14 fret double O, but not as long as a 14 fret triple O. Uh, in terms of the body size. So I think instead of going 12 fret, Chris Martin has decided to go slope shoulder and that's where we get these new slope shoulder dreadnought models rather than having a 12 fret model. But um, but I like the way you think. I mean, uh, I like the way you think there, <laughs> Rich. Um, well, now you're making me wonder what would a triple O 12 fret version sound like of the CEO 7? Ooh. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. Yes, well, now we're talking about, uh, you know, future models. Now, I have to correct you. I realize you said that was your only official Morris Music model. But I want to say here is a, to go back to our, the original uh, suggestion for this. Here's something that was never in production, but Morris Music ordered it. It was uh, basically a triple O 35. It was the OM 35, which uh, had a very good run of its own but with a short scale neck. All and, right. Uh, we get to see one of yeah, we get to see one of those in our friend Reese's hands at Martin Fest every year. And often if I have anything to say about it, it ends up in my hands. Um, usually <laughs> after I've gotten all the chocolate icing chocolate icing off the neck and, and beer. But uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Reese Ord, your car lights are on. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I'll use that. <laughs> Hi, Reese. But, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that's a very good guitar, too. You know, basically, it was a, a you know, quarter-inch scallop-braced OM. Um, and uh, But this is back before the high-performance taper and all that. But uh, with a really cool three-piece back and in the same style as a D35 in terms of the cosmetic styling. So that was a very cool guitar as well. So Road Series. You know, the Road Series has changed over the years. And... I think one of the coolest things uh, they've done is these new SC models. I thought it was a brilliant stroke that they introduced them into the Road Series and have yet to start offering uh, regular produced, uh, more expensive ones with solid woods and, you know, and, and, you know, close to standard series specs. So these are guitars that are newly introduced. And I think that uh, the SC-10E is such a cool guitar that if that doesn't last very long, people having these kind of discussions just a few years from now are going to say, why would Martin get rid of that guitar? And for a while, I felt that way about the entire Road Series when it kind of disappeared for a while. And, you know, it was Martin's first attempt to make, make not first attempt, the one series is Martin's first attempt to put their own brand on a very affordable guitar. And the Road Series, takes that even a step further. And I knew people who had those those classic Road Series um, back in the day guitars 
to take in the bars where they wouldn't want to risk taking in their D28 or, of course, their D45. And they sold very well as a result of that. And I think the, uh, the old one series, which uh, has slightly different specs, uh, same idea. And I'm glad Martin's continuing to do this, but I, I would love to see them bring back guitars that, I'm not sure how to put this. I would like to see them look through all of those series from back of the day and see if they don't have niches available now where those that model would fit in. And for example, the D12, the D12 has traditional Martin looks to it. It looks different than the rest of the road series. And that's supposed to please Chris Martin, who wanted to keep something that looked a little bit like the old road series that looked on stage like a Martin guitar. The modern road series have more modern uh, stuff because some of the people at Martin are obviously trying to appeal to younger players. They are trying to get a, you know, have a little more creativity and the designs and stuff. And I guess I'm just now pining for the, the old, the old ones and, and road series based on my own personal attachment to them. So, like I said, this, these are personal opinions. If there's anything that's missing from the roads, I mean, the standard series right now, I would have to agree with you that it's 12 fret models and maybe they will look into that coming up. Um, try one, test the waters. I'm all for an OM-18, as you've always known. They've rarely uh, had OM-18s available, only once in the standard series. Well, I guess they did a cutaway version too, but they didn't. they lasted like for a blink of time and I don't think they gave them a chance. And, uh, and maybe they felt it was too similar to the triple O 18. I don't know. I thought that was going to be your first one. Well, I was kind of saving it, but the M 18, that was around in the seventies back right at the very beginning. The M 18 was, uh, in fact, uh, the guy that was my guitar tech for many years, basically retired now, Bob Jones, he had an M 18. Uh, he had, he played in Andy Statsman's Kles Klesmer orchestra back in the day. And his M18, somebody called him up and said, do you have any guitars that we could borrow? Um, and he's like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Well, he said, they're doing the show down in D.C. or maybe it was in Philadelphia. I'm pretty sure it was in D.C. And they, you know, they, they want to borrow some guitars. Well, he loaned them three guitars that were used by, by Ron Wood, Keith Richards and Bob Dylan oh. at Live Aid or whatever that was. Wow. And so... Um, and I, Richard, I think it's Richards is playing Bob's M18. And so, and he claims that Dylan, uh, when they were warming up, uh, they did Blown in the Wind backstage and that Dylan played his M18, played Blown in the Wind on his M18. So he's <laughs> always claimed. But anyway, the M18 was a very cool guitar. Didn't make very many of them and they weren't around for long, but I think that would be something when Martin's ready to bring back an, another M um, that they should look at the M18, a modern version of it. Very cool. Well, if I told you that our friend Jack Wickwire down in Maryland, who comes to lots of Martin Fests, and I don't know how this happened, but this whole episode is just Martin Fest, so apologies there, but good memories, good memories. Uh, he's got a really great pearly guitar that's not in production anymore. It's not in the standard series. It's a special. If I remember, it was like 06, 07. And if you listen really carefully, it's a previous podcast that you were part of, and I do hope you listen to those while you're doing them. Uh, you'll remember that we talked about this guitar really briefly. There is a guitar in current Martin production in the standard series that's very similar. If I gave you seven seconds, would you be able to tell me which guitar this is? No. 
but you said that it's pearly, yes? Yep. Okay, is it a J41 special? It is. Wow, listen to you. <laughs> you remember I record this podcast with a group of people behind me, right? <laughs> yes, indeed. And I admire their discipline of not, you know, crackling their candy wrappers. But yeah, the J41 special, they, uh, some people may remember when the 00042 came out, it was basically exactly the same thing as the 00028 Eric Clapton, except it was in style 40, modern style 42. So it looks like a pre-war 00045 from the front with no pearl on the back. And it had, you know, I think the Claptons had slightly elevated woods back then anyway, but, but it had, you know, level of wood commensurate with style 42. So it was a V-neck, modified V-neck. Um, they had never done a 00041 and they had never done really anything other than uh, the D41. And so they came out with this J41 special, which had a V modified V-neck. So it didn't really fit into the standard series because it didn't have a low profile, but it didn't fit into the vintage series because they never made J40, J anything, uh, let alone uh, uh, Style 41 in the old days. So very, very cool guitar. Pearl around the edge of the top and not around the fret and board peninsula. But, you know, the, the beautiful uh, fingerboard inlays and rosette and uh, and just, and usually from what I remember, they always had really, really cool Sitka tops. Very, uh, very beautiful Sitka tops. And, and what a, uh, you know, kick the doors off the barn uh, sound. So yeah, very cool. That's great. Good. I'm, I'm pleased I could tweezer that out of my memory and that you, uh, <laughs> and that you put it on your list. So, um, so I think J41, that'd be a great idea. You know, when, when Martin's ready, like you said, when they're, when they're getting caught up and, and don't have to just focus on making D28s, uh, that might be another great guitar to introduce. And I know what you guys are thinking at home. You're listening to this program, and you're hearing Spoon talk about his ideas. You're hearing Maury's music talk about their ideas. Why doesn't Maury just build anything he wants? He can use the custom shop to make anything come back to production. And we do. There are a couple of guitars I didn't want to put on this list because we did bring them back. If you're one of those people that love the 00028, the 00018, the D28, and the D18, back before 2018 where those instruments had 1 and 11 16 inch narrow nuts, we thought that idea was good enough to do it. So you can find in regular production now at marismusic.com, we do stock those four guitars through the custom shop with the only difference being the narrow old style nut and of course the string spacing that comes along with it. So we did find those four instruments were important enough that we spoke with our wallet. We built them, they're in stock right now as we're taping this show. And I think those four guitars cater to at least a small portion of Martin's fan base who did not like the change when everything went one and three quarter. That's very cool. That's very cool indeed. And uh, I'm glad you thought to bring that up. Um, I will just have to, I guess, close my portion of the show saying, if money was not an object and I could have any of those guitars, um, and I'm going to discount the Brazilian Rosewood models right now because that's not what I'm talking about here. If uh, these kind of cool guitars that Martin made either temporarily or used to make and if I could just buy one, I'd buy two. I would love to own 
And I say if money was no object because these are not practical guitars I would use every day. I would love to have a match set of the Pete Seeger signature model. This were made for, uh, people may remember the Sing Out magazine models. Every every so often they would come out with a Sing Out, oh, yeah. um, sing out model that were not, were always a little different from, uh, from anything else in production. The Pete Seeger model is a baritone 12-string guitar uh, inspired by the guitar that was made by a British luthier for him back in the day that has a square, uh, triangular, upside down triangular sound hole. And, but they also did a six string version of it. These are baritone guitars. They have an extra long scale and they're designed to have uh, heavier strings. In medium, you can get it tuned down to C, but you can buy you know extra heavy strings for baritone guitars where you can get them down into B flat or even B, which I think is where, uh, where Pete Seeger played his 12 string most of the time, but really super cool mammoth uh, sounding guitars, Sitka Indian Rosewood guitars. I would love to have a matched pair of them just to play at home for fun because they just uh, similar to some other guitars that you uh, mentioned, like the uh, the seven string uh, Roger McGuinn. They're just they're rapturous to just sit there and play them and just being enveloped by the very cool tone these kind of guitars make so so i would say i would love to have a match set so i know my birthday just passed everyone but you know if, uh, you know christmas will be coming up and so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so a match set of uh, pete seeger six six string and 12 string i would be uh, i would be in six and and 12th heaven um so <laughs> so this was fun i hope other people enjoyed uh, us reminiscing. We would love to read people's comments on the YouTube version of this podcast of uh, fabulous guitars Martin no longer makes that we forgot and should have included, or your own thoughts about which guitars should Martin bring back. Yes, I agree. Please let us know in the comments what you disagreed with on our list and what you think we missed, because I'm sure you have something in mind that we didn't think about and let us know what you're thinking in the comment section below. Really quickly, I'll give you my trivia question answer. Which electronics company was featured on some specific 16 series models back in the mid 2000s? But I have one quick question. Was this uh, something that required the big square thing on the side with the, with the EQ levers? Yes, it does have a barn door. And I, that's as far as I can get, but I don't remember what it was. So I'm all ears. Roland Electronics had a brief love affair with Martin Guitars back in the day, and you can find them on certain select 16 series Martins. I forget what this system was called, but it was made by Roland. Wow, now, very good. That is, uh, that is trivia indeed. I, uh, I had completely forgotten about that. Thank you very much, guys. Don't forgotten all about us. We're going to be back next week with another great topic. We don't know what it is yet, but we can guarantee it's going to be a fun one. You know what the music means, but we got to get out of here. Absolutely. So this has been great fun. I look forward to more suggestions from our listeners for uh, future shows. From all of us at Maury's Music, thanks for listening. Hear you later. This has been a presentation of Maury's Music, your trusted source for Martin and Blue Ridge guitars. Find us online at maurysmusic.com. Music.com.